So I don't know if they still teach this way or not. Some of you who are kids can tell me later on if they do. But I remember when my kids were little, working through some, some math problems with them. This is when they were really little, just learning the basics of math, you know, like adding and subtracting. And, and I remember these word problems, they were change to more or change to less problems. So they would simply give you one sentence, and you needed to identify, was it change to more or change to less? So a sentence like, it got warmer outside. I'd read that sentence, and hopefully my child would say, that's a change to more. Yep. Or, I went and got a haircut. Change to less, right? This week I became a Detroit Lions fan. Change to less. Obvious, right? You know, as I thought about that, we, we are consistently, most consistently, changed to more kinds of people living in a change to more kind of society, aren't we? We change jobs to earn more money. We move in order to buy more house. We put in extra hours at work in order to have more profit. We retire to have more free time. And we're envious of people who are change, successful change to more people. People who have more courage than us or, or more boldness than us. People who have more power or authority than us. People who, who have more popularity than us or, or more money than us. Right? We, we admire those people. We watch them in the news cycle. We, we read their books. We follow their leadership suggestions so that we might become changed to more kind of people. We buy from their clothing lines. We like change to more people because change to less people, when we do find them, they kind of make us uncomfortable. Right? We respect, but, but we're made uncomfortable by the CEO who leaves that position to go build schools in Afghanistan. Or the pro football player who, who suddenly retires from football, leaving behind millions of dollars on the table so that he can go back to school and get his degree in math and become a math teacher. Or the family who scales down their home instead of scaling up their home. We're intrigued by them, but honestly, we're also made a bit uncomfortable when they come too close to us. If Jesus were here, sitting in this room today, living his life out here among us, I think he'd make us more than a little bit uncomfortable. Because Jesus was clearly a change to less person. In our polite moments here, we'd probably say that he was a little bit backwards. In our less polite moments, we might join with his own family who thought he was a little bit crazy. And we might even begin to agree with the religious leaders of his day who thought he was a lot crazy. Right? Because Jesus kept doing things backwards from what people expected. He worked backwards from the definition of, of a good religious person, of what that person was supposed to be, and he did things differently. He lived backwards from all the accepted social standards and expectations of how you're supposed to live successfully in the world, and he lived it out backwards. Everything they were expecting, Jesus wasn't. Jesus clearly modeled and taught and commanded the core value of humility. 
Right, that's our fifth and final core value in our Inside Out series that we're finishing up today. We have pondered together the core value of unity and of honor and of compassion. Last week we looked at that core value of honesty. This morning our core value is humility. If we are going to follow in Jesus' footsteps at all, if we are going to even begin to be obedient to his commands in our lives, then we're going to have to start living a life that is so full of humility that it overflows, that, 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 that humility leaks out of our lives into our choices, into our behaviors, into our decisions. Right? It's interesting, throughout the gospel stories, the stories of Jesus' life, you see Jesus again and again and again trying to teach his disciples this core value of humility. He tries to teach them this, this change to less kind of kingdom of God attitude. And they never seem to get it. Right? They're, they're changed to more desires for power, for glory, for position, for success, for wealth. That this change to more desire keeps making it impossible for them to understand what Jesus was saying to them. In fact, I want you to notice with me this morning, I'm going to walk you through a few, a few gospel stories. And I want you to notice with me the, the same theme that keeps coming up again and again. You often miss it. When you read the Bible as just a chapter, maybe one chapter here or there, or one chapter a day, you miss the repeating themes that come, that keep showing up again and again and again. You're going to see them this morning. I want us to start in Mark chapter 9. You don't need to turn there. I'm just going to tell you the stories. In Mark chapter 9, Jesus catches his disciples. They're walking along the road together, and Jesus must have been back a little ways, and the disciples are arguing together. They're, they're arguing together, trying to figure out who is the greatest of them. Who is going to be greatest in the kingdom of God? And Jesus overhears them, and when he finds out what they're fighting about, he immediately stops them on the journey, pulls them off the side of the road, must have sat them down in a grassy patch, because he's got something to tell them. It's like, like a teacher who realizes his, his class just doesn't get it and says, okay, everybody sit down. Sit down and listen up. Let me spell this out for you again as clearly as I possibly can. And so with his disciples all sitting around, he says to them, anyone who wants to be first, just like you've been arguing about, anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. Now, disciples, anything you don't understand about that? Any words there that I've spoken that are just too big for you to understand? No? Okay. Good. And since Jesus knows that, that lessons are better learned visually as well as through hearing, there's a child nearby, and he pulls this child into the group, and he says to them, whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. In other words, disciples, in my Father God's way of thinking, smaller is better. Try to be changed to less kinds of people. 
Try to be last. Try to be a servant. Try to, to give all of yourself and all of your stuff away as much as you can. Try to be more like a child instead of a king or a president or a CEO. Okay? So it's an important lesson that Jesus gives them. Matthew relays that very same lesson in chapter 18, the very same story. But as clear as it seems to us, it's obvious that the disciples don't get it. Because in the very next chapter in Matthew, Jesus gives them the very same lesson again. In that next chapter, we see a rich young ruler walking up to Jesus and his disciples. And this rich young ruler wants to be a follower of Jesus. He says, what do I need to do to fully be committed to God, to, to be a follower of you, Jesus? And Jesus tells him, you need to sell all that you have and give it away to the poor. In other words, when it comes to your finances, you need to become a change to less kind of person. Well, this guy has been, has been working all of his life to be a gain, a change to more kind of person, to get more in his bank account, to get more social respect in his community. And he can't do it. This request, this command from Jesus to be a change to the last person is more than he can handle, so he walks away. He can't do it. And the disciples are stunned. They're stunned just as much as this rich young ruler. And they say to Jesus, how in the world can anybody ever become your follower? if it takes moving backwards in life. So Jesus gives them the lesson one more time. He says to them, in the kingdom of God, many who are first will be last, and many who are last will be first. You've got to move backwards. You've got to go in reverse. That's the power of God's paradox. Sound familiar? Same thing just a chapter earlier. Become a change to less kind of person. Lesson learned, right? Back-to-back -back chapters, powerful stories, same lesson, same quote. No, they still don't get it. They still don't get it. So in the very next chapter, Jesus has to teach them the very same lesson again. He tells them this story about a landowner who's got, who's got a big crop that's ready to be harvested. And so in the morning, he goes down to the city corner where all the workers are waiting, and he hires a whole bunch of people to come and harvest his field for the day. He hires some of them right away at 8 a.m. He goes back and gets a bunch more at 10 a.m. He goes back again after lunch and hires a bunch of guys. And then realizing that, that the job's not getting done, just a couple hours before the end of the day, he goes and gets even more. And and when it comes time to pay his workers at the end of the day, as tradition was, they all line up to get paid, and they all got paid the same amount. And there's grumbling on the people who worked their full eight to ten hour day because they're getting paid the same amount as the people who just worked for two hours. To which Jesus replied the end of the story was this. In the kingdom of God, the last will be first, and the first will be last. Now, are you catching the theme here yet? In these chapters you often miss when you read just one chapter at a time? Here's the same message again. And it's interesting, in the very next paragraph, after he tells the story, 
Jesus says, you want to see what it looks like to live a change to less kind of life? Here's what's going to happen to me. I'm going to go to Jerusalem, and there I'm going to be betrayed and mocked and beaten and crucified, and I'm going to die. That's how much I'm going to give up. I'm going to give away. That's how humble I'm going. That's how I'm going to become first by becoming last. See? And you know what? They still don't get it. They still don't get it. The very next scene Matthew gives us. Jesus is there. And James and John come to see him along with their mother. And mom looks at Jesus and says, Hey, Jesus, I would like my boys, Jimmy and Johnny, to get the best seats in the house when you come into your kingdom. I want one to sit at your right. I want one to sit in your left. Can you do that? Can you give them, the, my boys, the position of glory and honor? And can you just see Jesus saying, Have you not heard anything I've been saying? Have you not been paying any attention at all? Obviously, none of them have been because the other disciples find out what James and John and their mother asked, and they get upset, not because James and John are missing Jesus' point. They're getting upset because they want those seats. <laughs> they were hoping to get the seat at the right and the seat at the left. By now, Jesus must be completely frustrated. No matter how many times he's told them, they can't get it. And so he huddles them up again. He sits them down again, and he says to them in Matthew 20, 25, he says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. In other words, you know the world of politics. You know the world of business. You know society all around you, people going for power, people going for prestige, people going for authority, people going for, for the ability to control others. You know all that. And he goes on to say, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to be great must become your servant. Whoever wants to be first, you want to be first, James and John? Must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. He tells them again, you've got to go backwards. He says to them so clearly that humility and servanthood are the virtues and the values that they should be pursuing just like he is. And they just can't seem to get it. And I don't think you and I get it very well either. Jesus taught and commanded a countercultural way of living. And we don't hear countercultural very well. Jesus taught a backwards way of living that will stand out from whatever this world tells you. And we don't very much like backwards. They just can't seem to get it, and we don't do too well either. So Jesus says to his disciples, and he says to you and to me here this morning, those of us who just don't get this first shall be last and last shall be first kind of thing, 
it's okay. I'm going to stop teaching. And now I'm going to start modeling for you what that looks like. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you what I'm trying to tell you. And he went on to live out this change to less life of profound humility. In fact, take out your Bibles, would you, and turn with me to Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2, way towards the end of the New Testament. I think this chapter is one of the most profound and important chapters in all of Scripture. Because it gives us a crystal clear direction for our lives, an image for our lives, a path for living. And it's a clear call to humility. We're going to read it in two different sections. Start with me, verses 1 through 8. Listen to this. Paul writes, Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of mind. In other words, if you want to be at all like Jesus, then, then let's look at him and start living like him. And what does that look like? Verse 3, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset of Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking on the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Now pause there for a moment with me. Because there is the backwards path that Jesus lived. Right? We're told in humility, in humility he valued others above himself. Not looking to his own interests, but he put the interests of others above himself. That includes you. That includes me. I mean, look at this, look at this change to last path that Jesus journeyed from verse 6 through verse 6, 7, and 8. Right? Remember where Jesus started. Jesus starts as God himself. Right? With all power, with all glory, with all honor. Everything that comes from being God. And how humbling it must have been for him to take that step, to wrap himself in human nature, to take on flesh and blood and become one of us. Huge humility. To take on humanity with all of its aches and pains, with all of its limitations and weaknesses, with all of its disappointments and sorrows and heartbreaks. What a huge change to less step. You know, most human beings spend their whole lives trying to become God. Some think they've arrived. And here's God willingly setting aside his glory to become human. 
And as if that weren't enough, not only did our God become human, but he became a pretty humble one at that. Right? He's a poor carpenter who becomes an itinerant traveling preacher without a home, without an income, living on the generosity of others, without respect. He lived a hard life. And if that wasn't humbling enough, then he lived and died a horrible death. You don't get any more humiliating than the death on a cross. A cross communicates to everyone. Earth doesn't want you, and heaven won't take you. And there you hang in between. Talk about humility. Just look at how far backwards Jesus goes. Starts as God in the perfect presence. Ends up beaten, rejected, despised, dead for you and me. He gave himself completely away for you. That's a profound lesson in humility for his disciples to see, for you and I to see. And now Paul puts it pretty clearly here, doesn't he? Verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. There's your call. There's your call to be a change to less person. We've got to be moving down instead of moving up. We've got to be giving away instead of getting. We've got to be sacrificing instead of protecting. We, we've got to be servants instead of looking for ways to be served. We've got to be fools in the eyes of the world around us for the sake of the kingdom of God. Paul says we have to be humble, just like Jesus was. And my guess is most of us are not racing towards humility. It's not natural for us. It's not what the world tells us to do. We're still trying to get to the top, aren't we? We want the admiration that comes from working our way up the corporate ladder, from demonstrating our financial, financial buying power with new homes and new cars. We want the power to control our own destinies, and if we're lucky, maybe we get the power to control somebody else's destiny too. We want this successful kind of lifestyle that raises our standings in society. We're busy trying to move on up, and while we're trying to move up, Jesus is down below. He's down at the bottom calling us to head down instead. And we don't like that voice. We don't like the countercultural voice of our God calling us to move on down. But Jesus continues to call. Because he knows God's amazing paradox. He's lived God's amazing paradox. You know what the paradox is? The paradox is that a change to less kind of life is what gets you the change to more kind of glory. It really is. Servanthood, born out of humility, is the path towards true glory forever. 
It's exactly the recipe we get in Philippians chapter two, right? Because Jesus humbled himself as a servant all the way down to the bottom, because he did that, God moved him all the way up to the top. We stopped reading at verse eight, but Paul doesn't leave Jesus down there at the bottom, dead. Listen to 9, 10, and 11. Because Jesus gave himself away, therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wow. Precisely because Jesus was willing to become a change to less person, was willing to humble himself as a servant to all of God's kingdom purposes, because he did that, he experienced a change to more transformation. Because Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself and die, God raised him from the dead. Because Jesus was willing to give up the glories of heaven and become human, God welcomed him back into his presence, even more glorified than before. Because Jesus was willing to leave behind his position of power and glory for our sakes, God seeks him at his right hand, giving him all the power and all the glory. Because Jesus was willing to be judged by an illegitimate Roman authority, God now makes him the final judge over all creation. Because of Jesus' great humility, he is given all power, all authority, all glory. He's made first. Why? Because he was willing to be last. Jesus modeled for you and for me what it means to be obedient to Micah's command, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. And now, as followers of Jesus, you and I have the opportunity and the privilege of showing this world around us that there is another way to live, that there's a better way to live. You and I get to model for this world around us the joy that comes from true humility. We get to model the joy that comes from serving instead of being served. We get to model the joy that comes from sacrificing instead of hoarding. We get to model the joy that comes from giving instead of getting, and the joy that comes from seeing people around us like Jesus saw them, instead of as society tells us to see them. We get to show them the joy of living a God-centered, others-centered life of humility instead of self-centered pride. We get to model a change to less kind of life that brings joy and fulfillment and purpose and meaning. I hope we're doing that. I hope we will. But know right up front that living a change to last kind of lifestyle in this society, in this world around us, 
it will not be simple. It isn't. If we're going to be intentional about developing this core value of humility deep within us, then there will be outside behaviors, outside actions that must follow, and the world will not affirm them. The world will not like them. The world will reward you when you're making more money, not when you're giving it away. The world will reward you when you're building your investments. It will reward you when you're gaining recognition, when you're providing safety and security for yourself, when you're building a life of comfort and ease. They won't make it easy for you to live humbly. They won't celebrate that. It won't be easy for you, just like it wasn't easy for Jesus, and it wasn't easy for his disciples. In fact, this change to less pathway of living, it ultimately got Jesus and his disciples, when they got it, it got them killed. They laid their lives down. But it's when they finally put their lives in reverse. It's when they finally started heading backwards in humility. It's when they finally began to move down in this world's eyes that God moved them up. That God glorified them. Jesus taught and then he modeled for us the truth that in God's kingdom the first shall be last and the last shall be first. He calls us to run the race before us and it's a race towards humility. It's a race down. And with that race before us, now is a time, as the writer of Hebrews tells us, to throw off everything that hinders. And the sin that so easily entangles, that's what it is. It's sin. When we choose not to live this humble, sacrificial life, it's time to throw off everything that hinders the sin that so easily entangles and to run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let's let this world around us see the humility of Jesus through the priorities, choices, and behaviors of our lives. Let's show them together a better way to live. Would you pray with me? Father God, convince us that humility is a better way to live because we won't be easily convinced. We aren't easily led to live countercultural lives because the rewards come when we live according to this world. The rewards come when we remain changed to more kind of people when we live according to their values and their priorities. But Father, remind us that those rewards are shallow, empty, temporary. Remind us of the true joy and true meaning and fulfillment in life so that we will be willing to follow your path, Jesus to live lives of great humility, 
that are eager to serve rather than be served, that are eager to give instead of getting, that are willing maybe even to lay our lives down for someone else's purpose. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching and for modeling. Thank you for repeating it so often when we don't get it and for patiently challenging us again to live out humility. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.